My name is Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA, based in California, broadcasting in high definition. And for people who have not heard the, the Real People USA show, Real People USA has three functions. The first thing that we do is we talk about small business ownership and we promote and help small business owners do better. The second thing that we do, the second function, is we help boost Republican candidates' performance with coaching and with our five-point uh, political platform system. And finally, Real People USA, we talk about situations or real situations facing real Americans in their real lives, and that's why we call the show Real People USA. Today's podcast guest is a person that some of you may know, maybe some of you may not know, but his name is Ruben Young, and he's a congressional candidate in District 23 running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And District 23 is a little slither of Miami-Dade County and a lot of Broward County. And uh, so we're so excited for Ruben to be on the show. For people who may not know Ruben, Ruben, in the last election for the city clerk of Miami-Dade County, or clerk of the court, uh, he garnered and earned 278,000 votes in a losing effort. However, today's podcast episode is going to talk about that losing effort and why there needs to be changes in the, uh, the, the Florida election system, as well as probably the other states that have these, these other people involved that should not, in, in my opinion, and Ruben will definitely say in his opinion, should not be involved. So without further delay, I would like to welcome to the Real People USA show, Ruben Young, congressional candidate, excuse me, Ruben Young, Republican congressional candidate in District 23, running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Good morning, Ruben. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Uh, it's a pleasure again being on your show. I appreciate uh, all the work that you're doing and trying to uh, help uh, take back the House in 2022 by working with the Republican candidate. I think that now uh, you have a number of Republican candidates uh, that come over uh, seeking your assistance. You provide uh, knowledge. You have a uh, good knowledge base. You have a very uh, good handle on how to market and promote uh, campaigns and candidacy uh, seeds. And I really, really appreciate what you're doing with the uh, transformation or transforming this country to uh, being the type of country that stand up and stand for uh, leadership. So I want to thank you for bringing me on uh, once again to talk to your listening audience. Well, perfect. I really appreciate uh, those thanks. And uh, like we've talked about before, my only goal is to help people win. That's it. I mean, I, I'm an American citizen. I'm a voter. I'm a Republican. I've been a Republican since 1991. So my only goal is for us to win. I don't care if you're in, you know, Anchorage, Alaska or, you know, Washington, D.C. or, or, or uh, Louisiana. The goal is for, for Republicans to win and take back the House and uh, so there you go. So I appreciate that. But the reason why I wanted you to, to come on to the uh, Real People USA podcast is to kind of talk about this, this thing that you have encountered over and over again. And as you state, this may have cost you the last election, uh, the last time you ran for office in 2020, 
So if you can, please give our listeners a brief summary of the current South Florida process of local voting and how votes make it to Tallahassee. Okay, so for me to begin, I like to start uh, way back in the day. Way back in the day when I first ran, I, I first ran for a local seat here in Miami-Dade County. Now, I'm going to talk about my experience. I'm not going to talk about what I read. I'm going to talk about all of the obstacles that I have faced over the years since 1989-1990 when I first ran and became the first African-American to run for Miami-Dade County clerk uh, in the 1989-1990. And I became that because here in Miami-Dade County, for many, many, many years, people thought that the uh, clerk of the courts was an appointed position. And they didn't know there was an elected position. So I uncovered that it was an elected position. And I, you know, and I used to work for the clerk's office, so I had access to a lot of the different information that a lot of people didn't have. Didn't have. So when I came across the clerk's job description, uh, we had, the clerk at the time was Richard P. Brinker. And I say honorable Richard P. Brinker because he's one of the He's one of the best clerks that we ever had in this Miami-Dade County. And this county ran proficiently and it ran efficiently under Richard P. Brinker leadership because the, the clerk was separate from uh, local economy. It was separate from county government. The clerk stood on his own at the time. Now, uh, under Harvey Rubin, the clerk of courts have merged uh, the office with Miami-Dade County with the clerk, according to the uh, state constitution, uh, he's the official record keeper. He's the check and balance person. He's over. He's over, in a sense, the uh, county government because local governments are political subdivisions, and they was only created to assist the state with the day-to-day -day affairs. So since 1989-1990, when I first experienced, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew it was something. Uh, when I ran for that office, and I was uh, was told by a young man by the name of Carlos Guy. He called me up on the night of the primary election, or the night of the election, and told me that I was in the runoff. And then uh, when I woke up that morning, now that was at 12 midnight, Rick. And when I woke up that morning, I was in third place. And I was in third place because of a, a canvassing board chairperson by the name of Commissioner Barbara Carey. Uh, she made a determination and made the decision that I was not supposed to move forward because I was running against one of her friends. Back then, uh, we had the candidates we had was, uh, I believe we had Louis Garcia, uh, we had uh, Seth Escalera, we had uh, Rennick, uh, Robert Rennick, uh, we had uh, uh, Marsha Ada, and uh, we had myself. I think I said Bill Oliver. Bill Oliver was the person uh, who she had a good relationship with. So he's a former county commissioner. But the person that they went and got out of retirement, which at the time, I had the only experience because I worked for the clerk's office. But at the time, they had to go and get a, a gentleman, a former judge out of retirement in order to win that seat or take that seat from me, allegedly, a kid like that, Rick. So they went and got a, a, a former judge by the name of Marshall Ada. Uh, he had served longer. Uh, he had served in the clerk office uh, served as a uh, county court judge a circuit court judge for many 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 years so they had to go get him out and stick him in and use his experience which he did not have clerk experience i was the only person in that race that had clerk experience and i spent five and a half years down there under the leadership of mr richard p brinker and i also was the union person there as well so i had a good handle on the day-to-day -day affairs of, of and how that uh 
government body supposed to operate. But be as it may, uh, after that took place, what I did, I wrote the attorney general, I made a complaint. I really didn't know what to call it at the time. I was only 27, 28 years old. And I didn't know what to call it. I knew I called it something. And I knew something was a little fishy with what took place. And when I complained to attorney uh, Bob Butterworth back in the early 90s, I never received a response. And so I moved on. And over the years, I uh, got into the posture of looking at how elections are, are being operated. And I learned that the clerk of the courts, uh, because he's the official record keeper, uh, he keep up with, uh, with our elections. But, you know, be as it may, what, my concern was what took place last year. You know, we had Dominion voting in this state. I have a letter, I have a document that shows that the state of Florida did have these Dominion voting machines. Uh, but the, the, the whole scheme of that election, uh, when we actually got down to the nuts and bolts of that election, uh, my opponent, uh, uh, Harvey Rubin, allegedly, he received close to about four hundred thousand million dollars. Now, you know, the the the, the process uh, indicates, especially when it comes to elections, these things are spelled out in our state constitution. Elections are mentioned in our state constitution. I think elections and suffrage. So, so that's not something that a local government body can uh, interfere with because the process has already been established by a state constitution or by our constitution. And whenever you see state statutes that would allow a process to be circumvented or would allow a process to include additional requirements that's not mentioned, uh, but that's not mentioned by in our state constitution. You can come up with any laws that you want. You can put anything on the books, but if it's not in that constitution, which those are the things that we, what we are losing because of these additional requirements that these local bodies are included in. So they gave Harvey Rubin about 400,000 mail-in ballots. And they shaved about, uh, we have like 1.5 million so many voters in this county, they shaved about four or 500,000 off the voting roll. That means that those votes was not tallied. That means that those those votes was ditching, disenfranchised. That means that those people did not get an opportunity to cast their vote in a, in, a, in a very important battle, a very important election that determines who will be the next president of these United States of America. So, you know, be as it may, those are the things why, you know, we had a lot of the mail-in ballots. Uh, we had people being receiving mail-in ballots that did not request it. Even by state statute, state statute says uh, that mail-in ballots are given to those individuals who are saying to the state that they're not going to be able to make it to the polls, that they're not going to be here locally to go to vote at our pre local precincts. So those why, that's why mail-in ballots are requested. But we had a lot of people that had mail-in ballots. They did not turn their ballots in by statute. Statute says that if you receive a mail-in ballot, but, but just so happened that you decided that you would go and vote at the precincts, or vote at the polls, you were supposed to re return that mail-in ballot first. You both sign off with the uh, You both sign off that, that, that the state or the county is, not, is now back in possession of that mail-in ballot before they allow you to cast your vote because you don't want to give the appearance that you're voting twice. And a lot of people receive mail-in ballots. I know I, I received two of them. 
I received two of those, two of those ballots. I know that a lot of people received, and I did not request those ballots. And I know that a lot of people received these same exact mail-in ballots, stating that because they claimed that we was going through a, a pandemic, because they said that the, the coronavirus was so, uh, so uh, out there that people wasn't going to be able to vote at our local precinct. But we find that not to be true because people did go down to the precinct. People did vote. Uh, there was no social distancing uh, there, Rick. I mean, so so that was a farce. And all these mail-in ballots that's not even mentioned in the state constitution as a, as a requirement to vote in. The same with absentee ballots. Absentee ballots are saying to the state that you are going to be absent on the day of the election and that you'd like to have a ballot that you can turn in that still uh, will give you a vote or uh, give you a voice in an election. Well, that e even that was was a part because a lot of people that had received those, even those absentee ballots, they were not absent. They still received these ballots. And they went to the precincts to vote. They didn't, a lot of them, they did vote by, by uh, absentee ballot, but they took their ballot to, to the precincts, which they could have cast a vote at the precincts and have these votes tabulated on the day of the election, where, where, where now you have millions and millions of people disenfranchised with, didn't get an opportunity to actually count their votes get their votes counted on the day of the election because they were tied up in absentee ballot. So that put the that put the balance of power at bay. So therefore uh, the candidate who would have received that vote that day did not may not may or may not have received that vote that day because of the fact that it was tied up in a process that was not a, a, a process determined by our state constitution. So these are the things why the election was thrown out of balance because of the, uh, the, the scheme, the voting scheme that was put in place here locally. And you know, put in place here locally to give the advantage of those other well-financed campaigns or give the advantage to those incumbents and, and keep them in power. And the people that need to be in office, the people that want to promote community service, the people that want to promote public service, those people are left on the sidelines and not able to get in the process so they can make a difference. And this is why we have the problem. When you have uh, local supervisor elections, overreaching, overstepping their bounds, uh, even when it comes to early voting. Our state statute in, uh, in the state of Florida, it, it, it limits how long an election should run early. It gives about seven days. I think the statute reads that early voting it takes place within a, a seven day time, uh, time span. Well, you have your local, lo local election supervisor of elections making the determination that they will extend that early voting process to about 14 days or to about 15 days. And that what that does, it gives a well-financed campaign or an incumbent who who can raise money millions of dollars in these local elections why they raise that much money for a local seat i don't know but it, it certainly placed the the will of the people it certainly placed free speech uh in jeopardy because of the fact that most campaigns are grassroots campaigns and grassroots campaigns oftentimes are, 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 are 
empowered by people who have limited resources. So they get out and they try to get the message out the best way they know how. And they play games when it comes to finance because the power structure, if you're not their candidate, the word goes out uh, to various sources. And then those various sources refuse to support your candidacy. And so they leave you out there without, you know, with, with, they leave you out there cooking and cooking. And when I say that, I like to clarify as you did in our last uh, last interview, cooking and cooking mean they do whatever is required to get the message out. Or do whatever is required to win uh, legally and not illegally. Because I don't believe in that illegal stuff. I believe in the legal channel. So we are at a place now when votes are cast, even at these precincts, they first have to be uploaded by the local supervisor election. Sometimes they do it from the machine and they do it by flash drive, and then they take that. Those, uh, those numbers that they have to first upload. And I uh, sometimes, uh, I'm in a place where I don't always trust that process. I don't think that we need middlemen because everything from a local perspective is uploaded to the mainframe computer up in Tallahassee. So why can't our votes go from the precincts directly to the state? Because local supervisor elections were created to assist the state with their elected, especially after the state has grown and insurmountable with the amount of people that we now have. I think Florida has now about 21 million people. Miami-Dade County is over the number that they, that we should have, but we have uh, 2.1 million people and 1.9 million are people from other places. So that leaves about 900,000 people remaining. Uh, that was uh, that that are here locally able to get anything done, and because of this this process is majority rule. If you if you don't have the voting strength or the voting clout to uh, put the people that you want in office, then you're doomed to fail. So we don't need local supervisor of elections because that's why where we're losing the battle. That's where that's why we can't get the train out the station, and we don't even need these canvassing boards. Now, these canvassing boards are, no, are another impediment to our local elections because they are stacked with judges and they are stacked with uh, county commissioners. Now, the statute reads that they're also supposed to have in these canvassing boards just regular, ordinary people. But the regular, ordinary people never make it out the gate, Rick. So you have these elections being decided once they go from the precinct. Then it goes before the canvassing board. Then the canvassing board becomes the ultimate, the, the uh, ultimate power in determining who wins the election because now they have the power to determine whether a vote is a legal vote or an illegal vote. And oftentimes that that's being seen. Uh, those ballots are being looked at by a, a, a circuit judge or a chairman of a local county board of commissioners. Uh, and these bodies, these people are also elected. Individuals, so they have a vested interest in determining who they want to work with, or who they want to who they want to take a seat for the shifting of the balance of power. And that's why I'm at a point now when when you, when you talk about election fraud or election thievery, it's nothing that you're going to see 
plain view. Where you find election fraud is looking at what are the what laws are being violated or what election laws are being violated in these elections. And that's how you determine whether or not the process is fair. That's how you determine the integrity of a process that's supposed to be about uh, giving people a voice, giving people the right to choose their local elected leaders. And this is why we're at a, 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 a disadvantage because most of the, uh, the supervisors of election who are supposed to be state constitutional officers, they're supposed to be representing the best interests of our state, thinking in a partisan mindset because the constitution doesn't give a requirement for you to run as a Democrat or a Republican. It says nonpartisanship. And so a lot of positions have taken on partisanship when the Constitution speaks to that preposition uh, otherwise. So you so they think when they run as a Democratic candidate or they think when they run as a Republican candidate that they're supposed to be loyal to the party platform, which the state Constitution doesn't give a requirement. I think on the, even Florida Statute 1001, uh, uh, 100.041, 100.051, 100.061. I think that's where you find those nonpartisan requirements on, on certain positions that the state, uh, that, uh, that, that are local elected leaders of this state. So I'm at the place, and I, and I want you to listen, your audience, your audience to listen to this. We're not at a place. If we're going to talk about bringing back election integrity uh, in our elections, Locally, is where we losing the battle. So I think if you have supervisor of elections uh, in your constitution, I think your state constitution, you need to review that. Now, I know uh, canvassing boards are not mentioned. I haven't seen that. I know they are mentioned in general law. I know that they are in state law. But, but as far as those, being a, uh, those uh, bodies being a part of the process in our state constitution, I don't think the state constitution mentioned that anything that's not in the state constitution, the, the state can give it and the state can take us away. And so I think that now we are the place that we're gonna talk about bringing back, helping save our country. Then we need to review whether or not we need local supervisory election positions to to continue allegedly stealing these seats at the various local levels of our government. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Ruben, uh, it, it sounds like they need to go. I mean, just based on that, that, that brief um, uh, sort of history of how uh, the Florida election system, especially there in Miami-Dade County and, and probably Broward and probably Mount, uh, Palm Beach and probably the rest of the, the state of Florida where there is, it seems like, it, to me it always seems like when there is a, a lot of, uh, I hate to say it like this, but it seems like where there's a lot of Democrats in charge, that's where the, this election integrity part falls apart. But I, I also want to tell you that here in California, uh, we suffer the same fate here with the, with the same type of structures. But I also want to tell your listeners, but, you know, working with you, we have devised a system to at least uh, deter this. I call it corruption. I'm just going to be honest with you. I call it corruption. We have a system to deter that corruption and and we, you're going to talk about it talk about that at the end of how you can help how Florida voters can help you uh, fight this thing and help uh, you you know uh, build up a legal team 
to to fight it. But here's my next question. So you talked about the process, how how that process had been has been corrupted by middlemen. Please share how Republican and even some disliked Democrats, you know, uh, of candidates and their votes may have been reduced before reaching Tallahassee. Now, you mentioned that, you know, some people who are Democrats and they are too seeing the same fate where their election has been. Uh, the system has been compromised, so they can't move forward, even in state elections. Yes, Rick. So let's talk about subliminal messages. All right. So I, when last year I was watching a TV uh, and I was looking at the uh, return, one of the things I did not see on TV was my race, where I ran against Harvey Rubin. Now here it is. I came out of a, an election with 278,088 votes. But never once did they put that on TV on the TV screen because they wanted to give the appearance that he had no candidate. And this is what a lot of the Democrats, this was mm -hmm. part of their scheme. They did not debate uh, their uh, Republican counterpart because they already had a, a scheme or plan in place, allegedly. They already had a scheme and plan in place to make it appear that they didn't have an opponent. So it makes it easier for them to take, take their positions and flip right back into those those local offices. So a lot of the candidates who would have won or should have won did not win because of the complete silence and the disenfranchisement of the uh, Democratic Party or the, or the process. Uh, here in Miami-Dade County, making, giving the appearance that uh, they had no opponent and, and coupled with the, uh, the, Dem uh, the Dominion uh, alleged flipping machine because I was watching TV and, and I watched that race between uh, uh, we had a, a, a Miami-Dade County mayor's position we had uh, uh, Carver Levine running as mayor uh, she's uh, uh, she, she now is the first female mayor that we've ever had and we had uh, a gentleman by the name of Bobble now Bobble was winning he was in front he had the numbers way outpacing her. But in that instant, I don't think people know that in that instant, because I was sitting so close to the television, I saw the numbers flip. His numbers became her numbers, and her numbers became his numbers. And I said to everybody that was in the room, I said, did y'all see that? They said, see what? I said, her numbers became his numbers, and his numbers became her numbers. But I thought that was just a... You know, I'm getting old. I just turned 60. I thought that was in my uh, my mind playing tricks on me. And as we moved on through Trump, uh, President Trump, just free in the election, and they talk about, well, he has no proof. You're not going to be able to prove subliminal messages because, that's the, the, because the, the, the evidence is so subtle. So you have to look at the actual process and determine whether or not uh, the requirements of our state constitution was adhered to or whether or not whatever other general law that uh, was adhered to because even though we are living in a home rule charter county where that's uh, talked about uh, this county have a, has, a, has sovereignty, it has uh, autonomy. That means that unless there's a violation of federal law or general law, state and the federal government just not, cannot come into this county. So the uh, commission is our state legislature here at a local level because they now have uh, a, you know, a strong mayor and they now have, uh, they have uh, 
a home rule charter. So it's a lot of things that muster into that. So they can pretty much do what they want. And uh, that's another thing. We, that's another conversation, another discussion. Because I'd rather be up under the state constitution. I'd rather be up under the federal government. So if there are violations of minute law being uh, now in question, I got somebody to go to. But there's no enforcement here in Miami-Dade County. You can't take anything through the courts because of the fact that they have that. Uh, lockdown too. I mean, so 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 the candidates that should have won in 2020 uh, didn't win, and I know that I was uh, my campaign was one of them. But I'm not crying about it. I'm being about it because I've moved on, and now I'm running for Congress against Debbie Wasserman Schultz because I'm not scared of a Democrat because I used to be one. I know how they think. I've been in meetings where they talk about cheating, and uh, and they talk about denying people. The opportunities are equal access uh, to our uh, process because of the people who are in power. They want to stay in power. And if you don't agree with how they're uh, running things, then you become a problem. Because when I worked for the county over 20 some years ago, and when I ran for the clerk office, they beat me, beat me after the election. They made it where I couldn't get a job in this county. They, it's, it's still like that. They, they put you in a place where you, don't, you can't bring in money. Because they know if you get a dollar or a dime or a quarter in your pocket, they know that, you know, you're going to do what they did in the movie called Roots. Roots. I don't know if you remember that movie uh, where you constantly had Kucha uh, Kente, who they tried to make him say his name was Toby. You constantly had him fighting for his freedom and you constantly had him running, uh, uh, running for his freedom. No matter what they did to him, he kept on running and he kept on running. They know. The, the people who are serious about their government, who believe in public service, like a lot of the candidates, especially a lot of the Republican candidates, and I'm talking about good Republican candidates that should have been in these offices, but were denied because of the corrupt process. And uh, and I think that uh, we have a, a local supervisor election person named Christina White who was appointed to her seat, uh, never had an election for that seat, was appointed to a seat with the state constitution, requires n- a number of positions to uh, uh, that, that's supposed to be nonpartisan, but our home rule charter made a lot of these positions um, put them up under put a lot of the state constitutional uh, officers or positions under their leadership and abolish a lot of the elected positions and put them up under their leadership as well. So they, I think that in those instances, the state uh, need to be viewed that because of these these uh, local bodies were created by states. Uh, constitution or by state statute and the state can give us and the state should be in a position to take it away but uh be as it may they, they have this process locked down and locked up and got and they have this process written they have it sold up for people that really want to serve and serve our seniors and serve our families we're not able to get in these positions because it's like it's a corporate takeover of local government so we need to get rid of these in my opinion these local supervisors of election position must go these gotcha. local canvassing boards, these local canvassing boards stack with all these elected officials. They must go because when they run, their elections have to go before that, that those crooked, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. They have to go uh, through those canvassing boards and they got relationships. They have friendships. Their friends are going to side with them. They're not going to side with me because I'm not their friend. That's why Debbie Wasserman Schultz over the years have enjoyed incumbency because of the relationship building that she has with our local supervisor of election. It should be one man, one vote. 
we should have these prolonged elections like we have today in Miami-Dade County that goes outside of our state statute. Although the state law says that a lot of these things are discretionary and it gives these local supervisor elections discretionary, but local supervisor elections still have to adhere because they are state officers. They still have to adhere to our state constitutions and they still have to uh, adhere to general law. They, these are not run amok positions. But they are run amok here in Miami-Dade County because of the relationship that these people have established. Because if you go back to the 1800s, we had our problem with the election of Ruther B. Hayes. We had a local clerk of court that tipped the balance of power. His name was William Henry Gleason. He tipped the balance of power for President Hayes back in the 1800s. And so we've been having these problems. We've been having these problems for many, many, many years, and these problems must finally and once and for all end with the right people at the helm. Uh, we have we have Governor DeSantis, who I love and respect. You know, we have Republican leadership, but but we need to go a little bit deeper, and we need to ensure that the integrity of these elections are are guarded and protected because they are shaping our country. Every election that they steal, they shape our tomorrow. They, if you put the wrong people in these positions who care nothing about public service, but they care about the dollar. You are shaping our our future. You're shaping our children's future for tomorrow. So this is why this is important for me. It's important to you and important to a lot of the other Republican candidates that know that something is going wrong. May not know what because you are not going to see visibly election fraud you got to do, you got to refer to the statutes that was put on the books you have to refer to the stat the, 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 the articles of our constitution that was that put in place a process of integrity that's what we're gonna find election fraud do those values well I tell you what you mentioned how the, the votes flip I recall my son and I in 2016 during the uh, the general or the presidential election, we were watching Las Vegas. Now I'm on the West Coast, so so you know it's it's already like like one o'clock in the morning here on the West Coast. But at about ten o'clock on the West Coast, we were watching the, the Nevada race, and we saw that uh, that President Trump was up by 150,000 votes. And when you mention Nevada, you're, you're really talking about Las Vegas. That's where the majority of people live. But he was up by 150,000 votes. And then within 10 minutes, it had flipped and Clinton was up by something like 135,000 votes. So when you do that math, that means that somehow, magically, Hillary Clinton had to get 285,000 votes or there had to be a 285,000 vote sw swing in her favor for her to be down by 150 and then be up by 135. And then, this, and, and in the 2020 election, the same thing happened. This time, I was watching it. I was watching like like a like a hawk. You know, I was watching it, Ruben. I was watching this thing so close, and it happened again. And so that's why I believe these Dominion voting machines. And I can say this: I'm not running, so damn it, I can say it. Uh, these 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 uh, illegal voting machines are are part of the problem. But like you said before. You have these uh, people who are connected. It's almost like a crime family when you think about it. You know, a crime family takes care of their own. So you have these people down in not just in your area, but also here in California. And hopefully we're on a path to fix it. But what I was mentioning before, your campaign has a way to, to get at the root of the problem. 
And in order for you to get at the root of the problem, you can't, you know, identify the problem after the election. You have to have a system in place to let these uh, these crooks, as I call them, know that uh, there's a system in place to say, I'm watching you. And I'm also letting the voters of, of Miami-Dade, uh, Broward County, District 23 know that this is a problem before the election. And that's what you're doing. Please talk about, uh, about five more minutes to go. Please talk about how you may be able to, and I think there's something you're working on and I'm helping you, how you may be able to help uh, uh, District 23 voters and maybe other voters in the state of Florida by you know, letting them know that this is going on and, and, and trust funds. And so please explain how that might work. It's not in place yet. It's just in the planning stages, but please talk about it. All right, so in, in order for us to get at the root cause of the problem, first of all, let me say this here. I like voters to uh, help me count the vote. I want to count the vote. I want to find out exactly how many people support me and how many people that will be uh, voting for me here in Miami-Dade County District 23 and Broward County District 23 by going to my website. That's ryoungforcongress.com. I'm asking you. Because I am a grassroots candidate, because nobody put me in this race. I'm running out of my own pocket. I'm running out, out of my own efforts. Go to my website. Subscribe to my website. Check my website out. But we want to start counting votes. But, but but on a national level, what I think that needs to take place right now, uh, I think that once we, uh, we are strong enough, and we can all step into this together with the same mindset, because something has to be done. I may not know what to do, but at least... I know that we need to do something. We need to establish a trust fund, an election trust fund, where we independently uh, determine uh, through a, a, an authorized body of individuals whether or not the election process will we have elections uh, accountable or accounted for. And therefore, we can establish that we can pay individuals with, you know, there's not elected officials. Uh, we can pay individuals that can uh, process these ballots on our behalf through, by paying them out of this trust fund. You know, oftentimes when we talk about, you know, uh, put up or shut up, our, our country needs honesty. Our country needs integrity. And we need people. Uh, the, the, once we get rid of these local supervised elections uh, uh, and these candidacy boards, we need somebody that could step up and help us with our election process or help the state abide uh, with this election uh, process because uh, these guys have been stealing these elections for so long uh they think that's normal they think that right is wrong and wrong is right that they're not justified because they've been getting away with it for so long so it's now become a way of life so i think in, in establishing these independent bodies uh, we can we can assist the process now in fair elections. Um, these elections are supposed to be separated. They're not supposed to be co-mingled with uh, local elections or municipal elections. But with but all the elections are now mingled, and they are now tampering with our nation. They're now tampering with our federal government when he makes all these elections or uh, these positions, elected offices positions, local, state, federal. They're not supposed to be that way. State and federal elections are supposed to stand on their own, stand alone. And local and municipal elections, they're supposed to be uh, handled that way. Because in the Constitution, the House of Representatives are supposed to get the ballots 
from these uh, federal elections. And they're supposed to touch those ballots and they're supposed to count those ballots. And Congress makes that determination. But you don't see that. You see local elected officials stepping in the place of Congress and they're corrupting this process, allowing this process to be corrupted uh, by interference, by corrupt practices, by intimidation. You go to those precincts today, you are harassed and you are intimidated. And they do a lot of finagling. You walk in that castle vote, but that vote can be changed allegedly by these machines. So we need to come up with a better process, Rick, and I hope that uh, that's the explanation that you are going. But if you have another idea, uh, another approach, uh, I think we, we covered this. But this is how I see this this morning. And um, I think that we may have an opportunity to get back in the, in the uh, get back on the horse if we, if we start being proactive. But I want people to, I want to count my votes. So I'm asking people to go to my website and subscribe. So we'll know once we get in 2022, the amount of people that we, that's going to be supporting this campaign. Well, I tell you what, Ruben. As we close, I want to let you know that uh, you know big problems re- require big solutions, and uh, just like when we met, I think you, 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 we, we met each other through another person, and uh, I think you said, you said, Rick, you, you were a former corporate sales executive in L.A., and uh, and I said yes, and you said, well, you're used to seeing big problems, and I said yes, I'm used to seeing big problems. I used to, you know, run the entire state. In, in, in a sales capacity where the numbers are big in California. And I uh, just want to let listeners know that we will work together to put together a plan to combat this, this problem. And what we need, the, the voters' help, we need the voters to subscribe to your website. We need the voters to donate. And if you're listening to this podcast outside of Broward and Miami-Dade counties, we also need you to, to subscribe to the website. We also need your donations. And if you are uh, one of these these people who's, who's, who are looking at this from the outside, you know, like outside the state, and you're saying to yourself, you know, let's say you're in Idaho. My son lives in Idaho. Idaho is a great place. And let's say you're, you live in Idaho and you say, you know what? My congressional candidate is doing fine. He or she is going to sail in, is going to keep their seat. Well, we need you, you know, voter in Idaho, voter in Montana, voter, voter in Arizona, perhaps, to support Reuben Young, because the battle is in these places like District 23, which is Miami-Dade, Broward County. The, the, the battles are in these places like in Phoenix, where there's also a uh, alleged corrupt system. The battle is also in, in Atlanta and other places that we all, we all know about, Pennsylvania. So Reuben, I just want to thank you for being on the Real People USA podcast. And you can close us out with any kind of statement that you would like to make. Well, I just wanted you to know, Rick, that um, I'm Ruben Young and I approve this message. Uh, I am in this thing to win it. I'm committed. Although I have other candidates in this race, Republican, I filed uh, before any of the Republican candidates did this year. I filed in January, a lot of them came in March. So I'm running uh, because I want to make a difference. I now, I started when I was 28 years old. I have not taken a, a break and now I'm 60 years old. So this, this has been a long journey of, uh, of making change for me. And I will continue doing it as I move uh, towards serving the people in District uh, 23, especially our small business owners and our seniors and our children and our giving them you know, all kinds of other things that we're going to talk about as we move with this campaign. But I'm asking everybody, please support me. Please uh, go out and subscribe to my website. And please uh, help us 
with whatever consideration or contribution that you can. Because this is a campaign, a winning campaign, a winning grassroots campaign, and every day we're being the payment. And I'm running by petition. So I'm also trying to get in the ballot by petition because I don't want people to say that they own my vote when I get to the Congress. Again, this is Ruben Young. I thank you, Rick, for bringing me on. All right, thank you, Ruben Young, a congressional candidate, District 23. Uh, a little bit of Miami-Dade, a lot more of Broward County. And uh, again, thank you for being on the Real People USA podcast. And our website is rpusa.org. Take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye.